Okay, take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 7 today, would you please? Luke chapter 7. Do you like playing board games? How many like playing board games? Kids, you like playing board games? Not so much, yeah, okay. How about video games? Who likes playing video games? Any of our seniors play video games? I didn't think so. Keith, do you play video games? What? Uh, I don't know. He's probably like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give him like a first-person shooter game. I see Keith on there, like just plowing through people. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just can't picture it anyway. Oh yeah, I got Pac-Man. Actually, come over. We we have a Pac-Man arcade game in our game room. So come on over. Uh, Jackie just lost the high score in that. This is true. Jackie had the high score, and Josh Mead, our missionary, came over. Our also our brother-in-law came over and beat the high score. I haven't seen Jackie for days now. She's been down there just trying. To, I'm just, I'm just, she's determined to have that beat by the time Josh comes back around. Right? So, uh, yeah. So my wife loves games. We, we do play games as a family. Uh, we're not talking about that today. But we're going to talk. Jesus is going to use a comparison, a short comparison used by Jesus here in these verses. And you'll see the connection here in just a minute. Let's read Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse number 31. Luke 7. We'll begin in verse 31, the words of Jesus. And the Lord said, Whereunto shall, then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? So he kind of proposes this question. He said, how would I describe the men of this generation? Well, how would I put into words as I look at the men of this generation? The people, the word generation just means his time period. Uh, basically, it would be his culture, the men at his time. He said, how would I describe the men that I'm dealing with right now before me? Verse 32. They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace. And calling one to another and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you, and ye have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He hath a devil. And the Son of Man has come, eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man, and a wine-bibber, and a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. So here's the connection. Jesus compares the men of his generation, his culture at the time, to a group of kids playing games. He said, how, how can I describe this group that I'm dealing with right now? Especially if you look of Heather, the Pharisees, the religious crowd. How would I describe these Pharisees? He said, like a bunch of kids playing games. So here's the setting. Uh, back in those days, kids, they didn't have Walmarts and superstores. They went to the market. Has any of you kids or any adults gone to the Horton Market here in town or a farm market? That's how they did all their shopping, all right? So they did their shopping that way. And so imagine all the families would go at different times in the day and the parents would go shopping and the kids would be there in the marketplace and they would get together and they'd play games. Now, some believe from this passage that two of the games that kids played. So what, what games do kids play today? If you had a bunch of kids after church hanging out, they may play tag. If you're at a playground, you may, may play grounders. You still play grounders. I don't know if that's maybe back. Yeah, I think they still play that. There's all kinds of games they would play. Well, here's what they would see their parents doing. Public displays became the games that they played. So the biggest events in Jewish customs were the wedding and the funeral. <laughs> All right, so they'd play wedding and they play funeral as they hung out together, and so that's what they say. Like we've 
piped and you haven't danced. That's a wedding. And we've mourned and you haven't mourned with us. That's a funeral. And because back in those days in culture, they would actually hire mourners. So weeping was a big deal at a funeral. There, there are paid people to come and weep at the funeral. It was a public display. The city would come together and weep and mourn at a funeral. So they would play these games. So Jesus likens the men of his generation to children who are just playing games. Let me talk to you today about a few things. First of all, the cultural characteristics. This generation is a culture at Jesus' time. So he's describing this culture that he is preaching to right then and there. But I think if we can look at this passage, we can see some characteristics in our own culture. And so as Jesus describes his culture, I think we'll see description of our culture. So I hope you see that connection today. What was the culture like? How did Jesus describe it? Well, first of all, childish. He said, I'm going to compare the men in our culture to children who are playing games. An immaturity. There's an image. I think we can see in our culture, though there's all kinds of cries about, you know, maturity, we see more of an immaturity. We see that on the internet and we see that in our culture, uh, a refusal to grow up. There's been a lot said about the new generations and, and how uh, young adults now are spending more time at home, spending more time without moving out of the house and how things have changed. And one author said that, you know, 26 is the new 16. And so what people used to deal with at 16, they're now not dealing with until they're 26. And so there's a shift and, and, and culture maybe has changed. Maybe we see an immaturity, not just in young adults. I'm not talking about just the young adults. I'm talking about all across. Often we see an, an immaturity. The Bible says this in Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. See, childish thought, childish understanding, and childish words should change as we mature. But on, sometimes in our culture and, and in work environments, we see a very uh, immature language being used by old pe older people that ought to know better. Uh, immature understanding. And even you, some young adults think, like, you call us immature? You should see the guy I work with, right? And you know that even as... In leadership, there's an immaturity. And so I think we can see in the culture that we live in, a comparison to the culture that Christ describes, a childish behavior. Secondly, the, the, the characteristics of the culture was not only childish, but consumeristic. All about consuming. Back in my day, and this is probably still, uh, you would know this, Burger King had a motto, have it, have it your way. Do your thing. Have it your way. It's all about you. What do you want? Hold the pickles. Hold the lettuce. Special orders. Don't upset us. I didn't make that up. That's a commercial, all right? Have it your way. Have it your way. That's all about Burger King. You want that? You can get it. What do you want? And that mentality definitely goes through our culture. That's what Jesus is saying here. He said, you, you, you say, okay, it's time to dance. So dance. Okay, it's time to, it's time to mourn. So mourn. And you want what you want. It's a consumeristic mentality that the Pharisees and the men of that culture had. And Jesus describes them as that. And we see that in our culture today. We want it our way. And I can feel that description as Jesus looks at the Pharisees around and says, Let me, how would I describe the men hanging out here? 
I describe them as childish, playing games, and consumeristic. It's all about what they want. We see that in our culture. Lastly, we see that the culture not only was childish and, con and consumeristic, but controlling. Hey, we said dance, and we want you to dance. We said mourn, we want you to mourn. You won't do what we're telling you to do. We're trying to control. There's a controlling spirit. You know, and our culture, and correct me if I'm wrong, but our culture talks a whole lot about being true to yourself and being true to you and doing you. But it changes when you stand up for biblical truth, doesn't it? Isn't there a different standard when you say, well, this is my, this is my truth happens to be God's truth, and God's truth says this is the truth, and then everything changes. <laughs> it's, it's okay to have it your way until your way is God's way, and then they don't like that. Right? So do we, I think Jesus is saying the same thing. He said this culture, the Pharisees wanted to control. You can't speak there. You can't heal on the Sabbath. You can't do that. You can't do that. How would I describe this generation? Like a bunch of kids trying to control the narrative. Hey, Hey, everybody, remember when you were kids on the playground? Wasn't there always, like, maybe an argument of who was actually going to make the rules? Uh, okay, you're playing tag. Who's going to be it? Everybody put your hand in there, y'all. What do you guys do? Bubblegum, 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 whatever, in a dish. You figure out a way. I saw the kids out there doing They all had their feet, foot in there, too. Like, I was trying to get my size 12s in there to play games. They, they were all picking who was going to be it. Somehow it's always the youngest guy. It was Levi. Actually, Levi was it that time. It's like, all these big kids, and here it's Levi. He's it. <laughs> I'm not sure how that worked out. But you wanted to control the narrative. And I think we see that. In our, don't we see that in our culture? We want, the, the, they want to control the narrative of what's going on. And Jesus is saying, I'm just going to describe that. You know, the Bible is very clear that we ought to be careful about being conformed to the world, letting the world conform us, control our narrative and conform us. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. That word conform means to be pressed into a mold. Hey, kids, it's like the idea of Play-Doh. You guys like Play-Doh? Plato is something that you take and you can mold it to whatever you want. And the Bible says, don't let the world be the one that conforms you to the image. Because the Bible also says that it's God's desire to conform you to the image of his son. God says, yes, the world's trying to conform you, but don't let them. But I'm trying to conform you and let me. Somebody is going to conform you, kids. Someone's going to make you what you, and determine how you think and act and live. It's either the world or it's going to be God. And so the Bible here says that the, Jesus describes that culture as one that wants to control. When we say dance, you dance. When we say mourn, you mourn. We're calling the shots here. And Jesus said, Jesus didn't play that. Jesus didn't play that game. Jesus was describing his culture. And we can see similarities in our culture, can't we? But here's what I want you to think about. Can we sometimes see those similarities creeping their way from our culture into the church. Can we sometimes see people, believers, who want to control the narrative? They want things their way. And if things aren't done their way, they're not happy. And, and it can creep into the church. And, and so when you read this story and Jesus describes his culture and we see the comparison to our culture, the real question is, Am I childish? Am I, the, am I the one that wants, and I'm thinking and understanding and acting immaturely? Or have I become a man and put away childish things? 
So if we can, it's easy for us to say, oh, yeah, this world is childish and they're childish. The Bible is very easy to love and understand when you put it towards somebody else. <laughs> but when you take the Bible and turn it right to you and you use it like the Bible says it's a mirror, you look in the mirror and say, is the man who stands in that mirror childish? Do I want, it, do I want to have it my way? And if I don't get my way, I'm taking my ball and going home. Childish consumeristic. I, I got to have it. I got to have, it's all about me. I want the music I want. I want the schedule I want. I want this I want. I want, I want, I want. Here's what I want. This is what works best for me. Is it about consumerism for you or is it about contribution for you? Are you a consumer or a contributor? And I, I, sometimes we give, the culture of our society seeps into our own Christianity and our own lives and we become consumeristic about the culture and the church. We're all to be Christ-centered, not us-centered. Just questions we have to ask ourselves. Controlling, we want to control. Are you, ask yourself this, am I okay when things don't go my way? Well, I don't get my way. Is, is that okay with me? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying biblically. Like, again, if there's Bible principle and it's clear-cut in the Bible, that's different. When it's just preference, are you okay when things don't go your way? Or are you, like the culture, like kids playing games in the marketplace. Hey, we, we said dance and you won't dance. We, we, said, we said mourn, you won't mourn. There's a funny skit about a, a, a guy that uh, is talking about giving. He says they, uh, he pulls out his wallet and pulls out a $50 bill and says, I think Benjamin, which is the, the guy on the dollar, $50 bill in the States, I think Benjamin wants to hear a few more hymns there, preacher. I think Benjamin, like he's trying to use the, the money to bribe the preacher. I, I want things my way. It's a, it's a joke. It's a, it's a skit. It's not for real. But sometimes we want things our own way. And if we don't get what we want to get, we become like the generation Jesus describes. And I hope that we can see that in our sight. So that is the, the characteristics of the culture. Let me just bring some practical conclusions here. So here's how Jesus uses this story. He compares it to himself and John the Baptist. Jesus and John had very different approaches. Same message. In fact, the message of the early church while Jesus, not even the church, the early ministry of Jesus and John disciples was this. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> it's pretty clear cut. And so Jesus and John were on the same team, on the same plan. And, and, and Jesus and John had no problem working together because when John saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. <laughs> I must decrease and you must increase. It's all about him. So it's very, they worked well together, but they had totally different approaches. John the Baptist was more serious, a little eccentric, kind of hung out in the outskirts, you know. Uh, isolation, this is kind of his style of ministry. Uh, eating locusts and wild honey and wearing some, you know, that wild man out there in the, in the wilderness preaching repentance. And he's preaching hard and he's out there. He was, he was, and he wasn't like, he wasn't rubbing elbows and making friends. He was just kind of out there just preaching. Pre that's kind of the picture we see of John the Baptist. And that's what Jesus said. He said, John the Baptist, he came not eating or drinking. And you said, he has a devil. Because he, he does, he's, not, he's strange, like he's wacko, he's weird, he's demon-possessed because he's not acting like all of us. He's weird, he's different, and his approach was so different and countercultural. they put him in a box and they put him on the shelf and said, he has a devil. And then Jesus comes on the scene, 
shortly after. His ministry is very public. It's very people-oriented. It's very sociable. It's very approachable. He's eating and drinking with publicans and sinners and said, oh, look at this guy. He's gluttonous. He's a wine-bibber. Look at this guy. And Jesus said, this is like, you're just like children playing games in the marketplace and you're putting both John and I on the shelf for opposite reasons. So here's some practical conclusions to this whole thing. Well, first of all, I want you to understand, God can use every personality. And so you're not me, I'm not you. And you like certain personalities and I like certain, there's certain preachers that I would say, these are my favorite preachers to listen to because of their personality and deliverance. And some people say like, oh no, I don't really care for that because of his personality but God can use any personality. Think about this connection. James and John. What was their nickname? Sons of thunder. Like they're this loud. Did God use James and John? Absolutely. Barnabas. What does the name Barnabas mean? Son of consolation, encouragement. So there's two extremes of men, sons of thunder, sons of consolation, but yet God used all of them, right? So God uses different ministries, and God can use every personality for his glory. So here's some practical conclusions. Number one, pleasing everyone is impossible. (laughs) We know that, right? Pleasing everyone were impossible. They weren't happy with John's approach, and they weren't happy with Jesus' ministry. Either one. John's a wild man. He's had the devil. Jesus is too sociable. He's a wine-bibber. He's, I mean, imagine saying that about Jesus, the Son of God. He, they called him gluttonous and a wine-bibber. Like, that's pretty strong accusations against the Son of God. And Jesus called him out on that. They weren't happy either approach. But, you know, Jesus didn't care. <laughs> John 8, 29 says this. Jesus said, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. Why? For I do always those things that please him. He didn't care about pleasing them. He cared about pleasing him. I don't care what you think. You can, you can play your music. I'm not dancing to your music. You can say weep. I'm not, I'm not weeping when you tell me to weep. I'm going to weep when he tells me to weep. I'm going to dance when he tells me to dance. It has nothing to do with you. I do all things that please him. And so if you're working at trying to please everyone, it's impossible. Number two, avoiding criticism is impossible. <laughs> Newsflash, you're going to be criticized. <laughs> it's just going to happen. If you're too loud, you're going to be criticized. You're too quiet, you're going to be criticized. It's just going to happen. Except the fact John and Jesus were both the talk of the town for not good reasons. Totally different ministry, same message. Both of them were put on the shelf. They, they were criticized. You know, there's a quote that's gone around. I, I found it attributed way back to Aristotle. It says this, there's only one way to avoid criticism. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. You want to avoid, just keep your mouth shut. Don't, don't try anything. And sometimes we get there like, I, I had a friend, a, a really good friend, that was a member of this church years ago. Some of you know his name if I, that, uh, if I mentioned it, not very many. But he had gotten burned enough in church that he said to me, we don't really fellowship with people in the church anymore. We kind of just keep to ourselves because we've had some bad experiences. And I understand what he's saying. 
The only problem is it's not biblical. It's not biblical. Because we are to be in each other's lives and helping. You will be, there are, there'll be problems you got to deal with. And, and sometimes it's easier just to withdraw and say, I'll do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. Isn't that, was it, was it Schultz? I know nothing, I know nothing, I know nothing. For those, if you're laughing at that, you're old. Okay, so if you know that story, that's a whole different thing. But nothing, to do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. So avoiding criticism is impossible. Last thing. And I love this. Wisdom always wins. That's, that's Jesus. Like when Jesus was summarizing his conclusion of this whole little story, wisdom is justified of all her children. You act wisely, you'll see. The children, the results, you'll see. From the wisdom is justified in all her children. The impact and result of living by wisdom does not lie. Did John, the wild man living out in the country, eating locusts and wild honey, have a successful ministry? Yes. Did Jesus, rubbing elbows with publicans and sinners and drinking and eating and sociable and approachable, did he have a successful ministry? Yes. Can you have a successful ministry? Yes. Wisdom will be justified in all her children if you follow wisdom. Kids, listen very closely because there's a lot of advice out there. Kids, I want you to look up here. Here's how you find wisdom. Wisdom is always found in the word and in wise people. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says get in the Bible and ask wise counsel. That's how you find wisdom. That's true when you're Eight years old, and when you're 80 years old, it's still true. Wisdom is found in the, the Word of God and in people who have learned to apply the Word of God. Find some wise people. Find some wise counsel. Study God's Word. Seek wise counsel. So here, let me wrap this up. When culture is childish and immature, follow wisdom. When, when, when you're being criticized or trying to be controlled or people are consumeristic toward you, Follow wisdom. Do, a God, do all that please him and not that pleases them. When you can't seem to please everyone or anyone, just follow wisdom. Because Jesus is saying, this is Jesus' main point. This generation is like a bunch of kids playing their game. And they all want to be the boss of the, of the schoolyard. Tell me how to play the game. But I got news for you. Neither I nor the John the Baptist are playing your game. <laughs> You're not making the rules. And I got to tell you, folks, our culture does not make our rules. The Bible, we live by a different set of rules. And so we don't have to play that game. When you're criticized and you feel like giving up because no matter what you do, you can't please, well, get, who cares? Are you pleasing the Savior? Are you? I mean, I, I think you ought, we ought to look at every criticism with an open heart and open spirit because our initial reaction to criticism is retaliation to, but maybe there's some truth in it we got to look at criticism that way but in the end ask yourself am i pleasing god because i i can't dance when when ted tells me to dance and then at the same time mourn when carrie tells me to mourn because i try to please everybody i'll please nobody including the savior and so Jesus said, 
This generation is going to play their games, but you don't have to. Follow wisdom, and you'll be justified in the results. It's a simple little story, but I think it's a powerful thing. And so how do we apply that? We apply that in how we live our life and, and ask ourselves, first of all, are we part of that culture? Are we childish? Are we consumeristic? Are we controlling? And then number two, who are we going to allow to control us? Are we going to try to bend to every whim of everybody else? Are we going to try to play that game, keep everybody happy? Or are we just going to follow wisdom and let wisdom be justified in all her children? Simple little story, powerful truth from our Savior. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? The problem with wisdom being justified with all her children, it takes a little time to see results. It just takes time. But stay at it, stay at it, stay at it. In the quietness of this moment, would you look into the mirror of God's word and ask yourself, do I fit the culture that Jesus described in Luke chapter 7? In my home, Am I okay when things don't go my way? In my relationships, am I okay with not being in control? Am I consumeristic and want it only my way? These are, they're, these are not easy questions to ask ourselves, but they're biblical questions to ask. And if being biblical was easy, we would all do it. <laughs> and then ask yourself, who are you seeking to please? Where are you finding your wisdom? How do you know what choices to make tomorrow? Are you seeking the will of God through the word of God? And are you seeking the will of God through wise counsel? If I asked you right now in a private conversation, who would you go to for wise counsel? Do you have a name? Is there somebody on your list? that you go to to seek wise counsel. I think you ought to have that. I think that's biblical. <laughs> In the multitude of counselor, there's safety. Seeking wisdom because it's justified in all our children. Heavenly Father, help us to apply this simple story. Thank you, Jesus, for telling it. Lord, I pray that we see how it applies not only in your culture, but in our culture and in our lives. And so, Lord, may we walk out of here today with something to think about and chew on, and even for our kids. Help our kids to learn early and often to dive back into the Word and to seek wise counsel so they'll make wise choices their whole life. So, Lord, thank you for the challenge. Thank you for the story. In your precious name we pray. Amen.